0: fourth episode of Prima Dora, a comedy in six parts by yours truly, Nigel Holloway, performed by the concept Players Theatre Company. When we left our friends, Doris was terrified, convinced that the turbulent and unreliable Eva Rossini is using witchcraft, while everyone else is dreading her next outburst. If she decides to turn up, of course.
1: Same place. So, where is she? Dunno.
2: We've been going half an hour. You don't suppose she's not going to turn
1: up? He hasn't said. Actually, if we take it from the start of the number Eurydice's entrance. Ah, yes, we can't go from there. Uh, Where is she, Mike? I don't know. Uh, Right. I think maybe we should take a break. Right.
3: Good evening, everybody. Are we all ready? No, we're having a break. Really?
4: I've only just got here. We've been here for some time. I was told the rehearsal started at 7.30. It's 8 o'clock. Really? No, your watch must be wrong. We were all here at 7.30. I don't think
3: all our watches can be wrong. Oh, well, shall we begin? Ah, there you are.
4: Yes, here I am. Where shall I start?
1: That's your entrance on page 31?
4: Ah, yes. Who is Pluto?
1: This is Richard.
4: Now, what I want is for you to... Just a
1: minute, Eva. I think Jack pointed out to you that none of the other cast members have done this show before. And I think he also pointed out to you that this was a music rehearsal. And that all you need do is to sing in Eurydice's part for the benefit of the others.
4: And I pointed out to him that it would be a waste of my time. And that I would undoubtedly be bored absolutely rigid.
5: And I said that you are free to be as bored as you like, just so long as you sing the part, as written, and not as you interpret it.
3: But, Jack!
5: Not a word, Eva. This is a team effort, not a one-woman show for your benefit.
4: If you insist.
5: I do. I also think that you should make the acquaintance of your fellow cast members. Must I? Yes, you must. This is Richard. He's playing Pluto. He's the one you have to be enamoured of.
4: Well, he is very attractive.
5: And this is Christine, his partner.
4: Charmed, I'm sure, dear. Likewise.
5: The fine upstanding gentleman over there is Barney. He's playing Jupiter. He is also a police officer.
3: But we'll try not to let that spoil our relationship. How do you do? Very well, thank
5: you. You've met Mike already, and Mike is in charge of the music and of the music rehearsal. Everything he says, you will do. Yes, Jack, but... Uh, What was that? Yes, Jack? Yes. Sorry, I didn't quite hear. Now, we seemed to get off on the wrong foot the other day, so let's not make the same mistake again, shall we, Eva? I'll be sitting at the back, everyone, just enjoying the
1: singing. Mike, it's over to you. Fine. Right then, Doris. Page 31, letter A. Ready, Eva? After four.
3: That was scary. I've never seen Jack like that before.
6: But she listened to him, every word.
3: Scary, though.
6: Oh, yes. Really scary. I told you, Doris, she's not really a witch. There's no need for a crucifix on the piano or garlic round your neck. Does she have a cat? A cat? Yes. All oh, witches have familiars, dear, don't they? Doris? This show is going to be very different.
3: Why? Because everyone's so tense. It's like we're waiting for it to explode. Yeah, you're Right, Jack seems to be able to keep a lid on her, though. Is he going to be there in every rehearsal?
1: He
6: says he is. Hi, Mike. Was that better?
1: Well, we rehearsed the show, at least. Stressful, as it was. Reminded me of something like it hot.
6: Why?
2: When they were filming it, Marilyn Monroe was so unreliable that Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon had to be perfect for every take, just in case she got it right. It must have been a
6: nightmare. Feels a bit like that around here at the moment. You've never said it like that before. It's always been that Tony Curtis was a lucky bugger all those takes to get the love scene with Monroe in the can.
3: Ah, yeah, well, that too, of
2: course.
6: So, are you looking forward to your love scene with her, Barney? Not
2: one bit. Barney, you and me, mate. Thanks, meat. Think nothing of it.
6: So, do you think we can do it? You know, with her?
1: Yes, why not? As long as Jack's at every rehearsal. Where is he, by the way? I think he's gone um... Did he take her with him? I think so. Good. She may have a wonderful voice, but she's really hard to work around... At least I can relax if she's not here.
6: Yeah? Caught you, you bunch
1: of alcoholics! Not a drop has passed my lips, my lady. I swear it!
6: Don't lie to me, you gin rattled oaf. I'll have you whipped within an inch of your life when we get back to the big house. Oh, no, not the whipping, my lady. Anything but that. Oh, so you prefer to be punished in some other way, you grovelling wretch. Uh, excuse me.
1: Yes, my lady. I mean, no, my lady.
6: Excuse me. <laughs> Can you two leave your <laughs> sordid little role-playing games till later? Shut up, Chris. I was enjoying it. What? So was I Leave him alone. Too late. That's it. All finished. Now you'll never know what little forfeit he was going to have to suffer. Chris, you've ruined it. Don't you have enough fantasies of your own without having to muster in on other people's? Of course not, so, really. Shut up, you. <laughs> children, children. Which of you is going to buy me a drink? I'll go. So how was World War II?
1: I think Jack is keeping the Third Reich bottled up for the time being.
6: Oh, she didn't invade Poland then. She's
1: probably planning it right now.
6: And not probably. Definitely. Isn't it about time you came clean, Aggie? You've obviously crossed swords with her before. Oh, Yes. But it was a long time ago. Let's just say that the last contest ended in a draw. And now Jack's brought you together again. Well, in fairness, he didn't know all the little details of our past history. But he did know that she wouldn't behave. Well, why did he bring her in? I still can't tell you. If Jack chooses to, that's his business. But I promised I wouldn't rock the boat. It just gets more and more intriguing. (laughs) It must seem like that. But Jack is just doing what he thinks is best, for everyone concerned. He is? Oh, yes. Don't be in any doubt about that. His heart's in the right place, even if it seems as though he's completely lost his marbles. Did he manage to keep her in her place? Yes,
1: yeah, She was like a little lamb, as long as he was there.
6: Mm. Then we better make sure that he stays there. Oh, and you'd better watch out for her. Why? Mm, she's a taste for younger men. But she's met Chris. Oh, believe me, that'll make you even more desirable than you normally are.
2: You just said (laughs) that.
6: It's just a friendly warning. I know her of old, and I wouldn't want anything to come between you and Chris. You wouldn't? Well, except me, of course.
2: I thought you'd gone off me. <laughs>
6: if only you had a
2: job with flexible hours. Well, I did see a milkman's round advertised. So, what are you waiting for? And by the way, I thought it was the squire and the wench, not the lady of the manor and the serf Look, you stick to your
6: fantasies, we'll stick to ours. <laughs>
2: not here yet.
4: No, Mike. Really? I hadn't noticed. Well, how are you? All the better for seeing you, Richard. Ah. I see you're on your own for a change. Uh, Yes, Chris wasn't called tonight. Good. Good? Oh, yes. I feel we've been, well, restrained together in our performances. Probably because of her presence. You do? Restricted. Inhibited. No, I hadn't really felt that. I feel that we were in a straitjacket. A straitjacket of convention. Convention? Don't you feel it? Uh, feel what? The chemistry between us. Us? Yes, between Eurydice and Pluto. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> you do? Uh, yes. Good, so do I. I felt it from the moment we met, pulling us together, inevitably, toward consummation. Really? I feel that you are a kindred spirit, that you understand the emotions heaving within my breast. Breast? Here, give me your hand. Feel my pounding breast.
3: um,
2: Do you feel it? Oh, yes.
4: Feel how my body aches for you. Feel the way my heart leaps at the touch of your hand. Feel how my being thrills at your caress of my breasts. Oh, hold me, hold me, darling. How I long for your lips on mine, your hands on my naked body, to feel you beside me, our bodies entwined in the act of love. Evening all Oh, how I long for my Pluto to consume his poor, lonely Eurydice. Start
3: started early, then.
4: And that the passion we have between us is to express this complex emotions to our waiting public. Uh, Yes,
3: yes, right, right, right. Mm -hmm. I should say, try it again, Richard. See if I get it. You get it all right.
4: No, the moment's gone. The passion subsides. I must rest.
3: So, getting into your part, I see. Yes, right into it. Getting to the very, uh, Essence, were you? Yeah, very nearly. Exciting, that. When you're so nearly there. Sorry I barged in. No need to be sorry all in a day's rehearsal. Yeah, yeah, quite understand. Hello, everyone. Oh, you're here, Eva. Good. We can start straight away. I think some people have already started. Shut up. I'm not a word to Christine. Why not? It
1: was completely innocent, wasn't it? She just wouldn't understand. I can handle her. So I saw. Now, Eva... I want to do the scene with Eurydice and Aristeus. Uh, the the, who's Aristeus? That's you. Pluto visits Eurydice disguised as a shepherd called Aristeus. Dressing up again, Richard. Uh Now, I want your meeting in the cornfield to be far more passionate than it's normally done. This scene is often confusing because it's not only Richard who doesn't understand who Aristeus is. It's usually the whole damn audience. So I want you to make it clear that it's really Pluto in disguise and that these two really have something heavy going on between them. They just can't keep their hands off each other. Sheer physical lust! Are you okay with that, you two? Fine, fine. we've
4: already discussed this. I think Richard understands exactly how I want to do it. Um.
1: Right, good. Now, let's see how much erotic passion, lust and longing you can put into this. You should be really good at this, Richard. Don't worry about blocking just yet. What I want is the physical desire to come across in your voices. Oh, where's Doris? I haven't seen her. Why don't we go and look for her, Mike? These two can... uh practice
3: their animal lust together.
2: No, 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 I'll go if you like (laughs) Perhaps Barney and Eva can do their seduction scene first (laughs) Eva's already got herself into the mood of the piece, so it should be quite easy to get on with it, Barney, don't you think? Ah,
1: there you are, Doris We were just about to start page 19 in the score
4: Just a minute, before we start I need to centre myself I
3: hadn't noticed she was off centre Was that you? What? Knocked her off centre. Shut up. Right.
1: Okay. Ready now?
4: I feel it. I feel it. The longing. The desire. The pain. The loneliness of a wife deserted, deceived. Ah, her pain. Her pain. Revenge. Yes, revenge. Oh, the passion engulfing her very soul. surrendering her very being to the desires of God. Oh...
1: Right. Well, page 19,
3: Doris. Mike, sorry to stop you there in mid flow, but uh, Jack's not here yet.
1: Ah, uh, uh, yes, you're right.
3: And he was very insistent that he came to every rehearsal. Sort of uh, quality control, wasn't it?
1: Yes, uh, you're right. Uh, Eva, darling. Uh, I was
3: wondering if we couldn't just run through some lines bef- while we're waiting and. Maybe Eva could give us some insights
4: into how she'd played it before. Well, I... uh... Oh, I'd be happy to, darling. The problem is there have been so many great performances, so many differing, towering interpretations. Oh, which one? Ah, which one?
1: Well, perhaps you could
3: tell us... Which one you were planning to give us.
4: Ah, yes. Well, I feel that Eurydice is the archetypal free spirit, confined for too long under the smothering cloak of ordinarice of her life, with the boring, untalented, uninspired, self-obsessed Orpheus. To be frank, she deserves her passionate affair with Pluto... Orpheus is clearly overwhelmed and infatuated with the undeserved adoration given to him by his students, leaving him with no time for what should be the grand passion of his life, his wife, Eurydice. Is it therefore so surprising that when she's ignored, spurned, slighted by the boorish Orpheus, that she turns to another for her self-fulfillment? And who else but a god? A god who surely stands so far above the mere mortal passion that she has known and discarded as dust beneath her feet. A god who can satisfy her every desire. An immortal holding out the promise of eternal ecstasy. Who could blame her for straying with Pluto? So, Pluto is like good in bed? Oh, far, far more than good. More than wonderful. More than any adjective you might choose. The passion between them moves worlds, moves the universe. That good eh? Oh yes, and better. But then, as is the destiny of all who love completely, entirely, she is betrayed. Pluto has feet of clay. God though he is, in his very essence he is just a man. Yes. And as with all men, he cannot sustain. 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 Oh He grows bored with her. No matter what she does, it's not enough. She's only mortal. And to gods, in the final analysis, mortals are merely playthings. And having played, yes. he grows less passionate, less loving, less sustained. Sustained? Sustained. Oh. But even though his passion has waned, like all men, he cannot release his conquest. And so she languishes, condemned to a hell of endless boredom, endlessly ignored, endlessly overlooked. Oh. Until. Yes. Until... Yes. Until... Yes. Uh, until at last her imprisonment is ended by another god. That's me. A god who is so far above Pluto that she's blinded by his presence, overwhelmed by his essence. I knew it was me. Engulfed by his being. Yes. Yeah. She gives herself to him instantly. Yes. Matching his desires with her own. Yes. And so they mount. Yes. The two of them. Yes. To the heights neither has ascended to before. Yes. To the culmination of their passion. Yes. An orgasm of lust and licentiousness. Oh, yes. Ending in one inevitable moment. Yes. The moment that she reaches. Yes. Her top see. Oh.
2: What did you expect? He's disguised as a fly.
4: Oh. But Eurydice's final triumph has yet to come. Her ultimate culminating conquest is that, at the end, she chooses neither Pluto nor Jupiter. No. Nor is she forced back to her unloving husband by the dead hand of public opinion. No. But she frees herself from her male-dominated past, throws off the shackles of female domesticity, takes on the responsibility of self-determination, and becomes, in a final spiritual moment of IMAX, her own woman. Independent, alone, but self-satisfied. At last, she can choose. Right. She can choose to be whatever she desires, unfettered, unhindered and unconstrained. So what does she choose? She chooses to become a Bacchanal, or to be precise, a bacchant. A what? A
1: follower of Bacchus.
3: Right. what? A drunken slut who helps out at
1: orgies. Oh, right. Is that good? Let's get on, shall we?
0: That was the fourth episode of Prima Donna, a comedy by yours truly, Nigel Holloway, performed by the Concept Players Theatre Company. I hope you're enjoying it as much as we did making it. I have to tell you that there were more outtakes from this recording than from any of the others we have made. Not because of mistakes, but because the cast were laughing so much. If you want more information about the concept players and the things they get up to, visit their website at www.concept-players.com.